Hey everybody, welcome to episode 98 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam and I'm joined by my friend Dave. What's up? Ah, it's good to be here. Finally recording. Been hanging out for an hour and a half already tonight. So hey, no, There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> oh no, not at all. But I've been bending Cam's ear tonight and he's been giving me counsel and uh, just being a good friend. So thanks, Cam. Oh, anytime, man. Anytime. Glad to do it. Uh, but we're here. We have decided to actually hit the record button. Yeah, and do a podcast. Yes, it is 10 to 10 in the PM, and we're ready to go. So I think we're just going to dive into it, aren't we? That that works for me, yeah. Yeah, we don't really have any uh, breaking news or recommendations or anything like that. I think we're just going to get into the... The scripture for this episode, which gets us, uh, you know, even closer to the end of the Gospel of Matthew. So we're we're getting there. Hang hang with us for a few more episodes, and we'll or have... until October, whichever comes well, first. Hey, you know, I don't want to make any promises, <laughs> but um, yeah, Dave, would you do us the honors and uh, read today's passage, and then we'll just get to it. Yes, we are in Matthew 27. Finally. Finally. And so we're going to read verses 1 through, I believe, 14. And much of this verse is going to be narrative that we'll uh, certainly take a look at and discuss a little bit. Um, But as you may or may not know, the master class is focused on what Jesus said and what it has to do with our lives today, and that really is more about verses 11, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Um, So uh, join us as we take a look at Scripture and what uh, kind of the things that were leading up to uh, Jesus before Pilate. So verse 27, verse 1, when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Then, when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed. And he went and he hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since it is blood money. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then it was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amused. Amazed. Amazed. (laughs) Yes. All right. So there's a lot here. A lot, a lot, a lot. Um, 
Yeah, it, there is a lot. That was like as I was reading, I was like, "Wow, there is a lot more here." So much for a short episode. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to start with the Judas section because the first few verses, while helpful in transitioning the narrative, don't really offer terribly, you know, much in the theological department. So uh, Judas, the betrayer, when he saw that Jesus was condemned, changed his mind and brought... What did he think was going to happen when he turned Jesus over? That is a good question. Was that not the outcome you thought was going to happen? Or did it all just, like, most of my jokes go better in your head, and then when it actually happens, you're like, oh, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. You know? I mean, you turned him over to a mob with pitchforks and swords and all that sort of stuff. What did you expect was going to happen? Yeah, I, I mean, I there's, like, I have a the, running the gamut of things of that... Are, are running through my head of, um, you know, when we read about uh, the Last Supper, Monday, th- oh my gosh, this is Monday, Thursday. It is. This is actually the day, we are recording on the Thursday before Good Friday and Easter 2017, so. Yeah, this will be released on Good Friday, but as yeah. we record, it is Monday, Thursday. Um, so the oh, night, man, that timing is creepy. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, wow. They actually were having the, the last supper. So, um, you know, there's, there's this element of, um, I wholeheartedly believe, uh, Judas is responsible for his actions, knows full well what he's doing when he does this. But at the last supper, it, it says that, you know, Saint, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said, go do what you have to go do. And so, um, you know, there's, there's the spiritual side of this. There's, I, you know, I'm wondering if Judas is like hopeful that even in his betrayal, uh, that Jesus will, um, maybe reveal himself and will do what needs, like, I, I don't think anybody including Judas, gets the whole Jesus is going to die for the sins of the world. Uh, Right, I get that part. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Judas doesn't know what's going to happen. Like, dying for the sins of the world, yeah, that's not a thing yet. Right. But turning him over to the government who wants to kill him, you're, like, relying on them to have a change of heart and just give him a pat on the wrist and fine him? Like... I get that he's having like a, you know, uh, a stroke of conscience here. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I did a bad thing. Let me go return the silver and maybe they'll just stop this. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he's never seen any TV show or the ransom, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, bad, bad comparison. But it just, and then he hangs himself. And it's just like this, the last two sections of scripture we see Judas, the dude, just like a pendulum swinging all over the place. Yeah, and so ultimately, I think that for Judas, this is all about Judas. And I think why he ends up where he's at. Uh, so, you know, the 30, the 30 pieces of silver, that's all about him and what he's thinking he can do with that 30 pieces of silver. 
uh, I think he, you know, I think he believes there'll be some recognition, some sort of amongst the Jewish leaders and the people in power of, hey, you know, you're a good guy. You did the right thing. Way to stand up no, for man. that. Snitches get stitches. S- snitches get stitches. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I, I think he is so consumed with Judas that even when he gets to that point of realizing I have betrayed an innocent person and I, and in that, I don't even think there's an acknowledgement of Jesus as the Messiah. I don't think there's, I think there's more of this, like, you know, just from a logical standpoint of looking around going, Jesus didn't do anything. He doesn't deserve to be condemned. And so again, what is his response to that? Well, his response is to go and to take his own life. And uh, while I wholeheartedly believe there are multiple reasons of why someone would take their life, and I wholeheartedly have believe and have experienced that mental health and mental illness can be something that has an influence over why somebody would commit suicide. In this particular instance, I feel very confident going, this is all about Judas, and this is one of the most selfish things that you can do because he doesn't repent. Well, uh, I'll say that loosely. I'll, I'll leave that, say that somewhat subjective as to whether he repented or not. But ultimately, he didn't go to Jesus and ask for forgiveness. He didn't go to anybody and say, what I've done is wrong. But he took his life into his own hands and committed suicide to remove himself from an uncomfortable situation. And But I also wonder, too, if it almost isn't like a, oh, I messed up. Let me prove to you how sorry I am. I'm going to kill myself as a, as a you know, uh, a sacrifice for the wrong that I've done, like, like almost like he's going to murder himself because he wants to make up for, or, or it's, yeah, he's just so uncomfortable and so ashamed. But if it really is all about him, if that's what we're rolling with here, which obviously we can't know other than just what we read and assume, but if it is really all about him, then perhaps it was more of a, I'm going to sacrifice myself because what I've done is so shameful. I must, I must atone for my own sins as opposed to asking for forgiveness or. Yeah. And see, I, I'm not saying I'm right, but my perspective on this is. Come on, Dave, fight me. He's well, I'm just saying I personally, I, I look at Judas and I go, he is a coward and he's taking the easy way out. Yeah. That's fair. That's what I see here. Yeah. Honestly, he doesn't get a whole lot of my attention anyways. I, but I just found it that first you know line just very interesting. Where and, he, when he saw that Jesus was condemned, it's like Don't cut, use your freaking brain. <laughs> Anyways, yes. uh, but I also find it interesting too is the response um, that the uh, whoever the elders had, uh, you know, and they're like, "What is it to us that you turned over? Like, why do we care that you turned over an innocent man?" And, uh, you know, see to it yourself, which I think is like they're saying, like, just, you know, go take care of it yourself. And he kills himself, which is like, you know, the extreme way to do it. Uh, and then he threw down the money into the temple and he departed. And then their chief priests were like, well, it's not lawful to put that money into the treasury. Census, but you paid him that money from the treasury. 
<laughs> so it's okay to take blood money from the treasury, but it's not okay to put it back in. You've got you've to wash it first. They had to ritually launder the money before they could put it back in the coffers. Which I just, again, find hysterical. They're willing to... They're willing to hold a secret trial in the middle of the night and condemn an innocent man to death on a cross because they don't like the power that he's achieving, but it's unlawful to take money. They paid someone to turn him over. Yes. Were any of those other things you did lawful? <laughs> I think not, but in this instance, it is unlawful to do so because people might find out that we did something that is unlawful. It's like, you know what? I don't have time for people like that. No. I don't have time for people <laughs> like that. So they went and bought a field. That's a burial place for strangers. How charitable of them. They bought a communal grave. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yada, yada, yada. Move on to Jesus before Pilate. Unless well, you have other things you want to talk about. I don't uh, want to cut you off. The, the other thing I do want to point out is, you know, clicking on the little link that is on my ESV the English Standard Version of the Bible that we're reading from, for those of you who may not know. Um, The prophecy comes from uh, Zechariah 11.13, and it basically states, Then the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, the lordly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. Then I broke... uh, I guess it kind of goes... So I, I will confess this don't quite understand when prophecy is being filled and when it is not. And I know there are multiple places in scripture where it says that, you know, what Jesus did was fulfilled by prophecy. And I mean, because even as I read Zechariah 11 in the verses around, um, or yeah, the verses around 13 of chapter 11, I'm like, how did they know that that is what that is referring to? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Do find it very very interesting that, and and I don't doubt that. I'm just saying I don't I don't totally always get it. But that we're talking about thirty pieces of silver. Threw it to the house of the Lord, to the potter. And I just am curious at what point did somebody go, hey. This is here, and uh-huh. this is what we're talking about. And um, Well, because it also says in this one, too, this was fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. And so is that Jeremiah who's talking in the book of Zechariah, or is it both in Jeremiah and Zechariah? Who? I don't know. Me either. I left my, my Old Testament prophecy reference book at home. I have one, though. Um. Because that's a whole area of scholarly study, is the Old Testament in the New Testament. All the references that Jesus makes, all the references that Paul makes, um, and then all of the prophecies that Jesus fulfills. And so that's an entire huge area of, of scholarly theological study that's been going on for ages. Because, um, yeah, you read that stuff in the Old Testament, and you're like, oh, Clearly, this is when Judas. No, you you don't know that. It's only when it happens, and then the people are writing about it and talking about it that they go, "Wait a minute, that's what this guy was talking about." Because a lot of the times, like you know, the references in uh, Isaiah that Jesus fulfills, 
Mm-hmm. And those they like, make total sense now. The Isaiah, yeah, they make total sense now because we know Jesus. We know who he is. We know what he's about. We know what he did. We know why he did it. But beforehand, the reason no one saw Jesus coming the way that he came is because the prophecies did not say this is what he's going to do. They explain surely some some actions. But it's more uh, the character of God, which is hard to pin down, right? Because mm-hmm. it manifests itself in so many different ways. And so that's, again, one of the, the crazy things about Jesus is how many Old Testament prophecies he fulfilled while he was on earth. Most of them done in like a three-year span. The dude was on fire. <laughs> I mean, he was just hitting... Hitting him out of the park, you know, left and right, center, right center. I don't know. Down the foul line. I don't know why I went with baseball there. Um, it's on the brain, apparently. But <laughs> I am convinced, and we've talked about this before, that, like, you know, Jesus coming back. You know, there's all these people saying he's going to come back on such and such a date. And he's going to show up here and blah, blah, blah. If, if people were so incredibly wrong about how Jesus was going to come, the first time, what he was going to do, what he was going to accomplish, how he was going to accomplish it. And those people were just as learned about the scriptures as we are, perhaps even more so because they spoke the actual language they were written in. And guess what? They actually wrote it. How can we think that we're going to know how, when, where he's going to show up? And so if there can be that much Old Testament prophecy that people are studied in and written the entire Talmud about and all of that stuff and still get it wrong when he is staring them in the face two feet in front of them and they still kill him Mm -hmm. because he doesn't fit their mold of what a good Messiah should be because he's not taking Rome down. (laughs) Just like, you know, I... I think that's the point of prophecy is that only God is able to connect the dots. Yep. Absolutely. Well, and that's because even as just in the short time that we've been sitting here, there is a reference to Exodus 21, 32, which says that 30, 30 pieces of silver is the payment that is made if your slave, male or female, is gored by an ox. Well, he, he got gored by some <laughs> nails and a spear. Yeah. So, anyway, I not trying to completely go down the rabbit trail, but it's just, I'm like, God is so big, so awesome. I am continually amazed at just how he knows what is going on. I know he's almighty, all-knowing. But it's just cool to see that in Scripture and how um, he is completely in control and knows what's going to happen. So, A lot of pressure. (laughs) Just a little bit. All right. So Jesus before Pilate. So he's before the governor, and the governor asks him, are you the king of the Jews? And he, you've said so. 
Like, <laughs> that's what you say. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad I didn't say that's what she said. I mean, it, it <laughs> technically could be true and totally not full of innuendo, just to actually be the truth, but he didn't say that. Um, so I find it interesting that he addresses Pilate. Pilate asks a question. Jesus says, I mean, I imagine in a, oh, I can actually answer this one without self-incriminating myself um, and also without giving these people the satisfaction they want. Yeah, you've said so. Uh, But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, those people that actually had the trial and captured him and beat him and mocked him and spit on him and all that stuff, um, he gave no answer. Like, he doesn't even give them the time of day. Which, again, I find interesting. And I think we talked about it in the last episode or the episode before about that Dallas Willard story where, you know, practicing the discipline of not having the last word. Jesus could have set these guys straight, knocked them all down, just, I mean, ripped them. What's the phrase? Ripped them limb from limb or something? Like, just absolutely just destroyed these people. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't say a single thing. Doesn't, I mean, just sits there and just doesn't even respond, which I imagine took an incredible amount of fortitude and discipline. And frankly, maybe even love. I don't know. That last one I'm not sure about. Because perhaps it would have been loving for him to lay the truth on him mm-hmm. or, or he knew it was going to happen and decided that would be a more powerful way to lay the truth on them would be to walk out of the grave in a few days. Like, Oh, Hey guys, remember me? Great Friday night. Wasn't it? Awesome party. Yeah. I don't know. I just find it interesting that he addresses Pilate and then says nothing to the elders. And then Pilate says to him, uh, do you not hear what they're saying and how much of it they're saying against you? Like, this is your chance, man. Help me out here. And he gave Pilate no answer at that point. And so I think Jesus at this point is, if I can repeat a phrase, um, he is committed. Not that he wasn't beforehand, but I think at this point he realizes the time is at hand mm-hmm. like there is no more there is nothing left to do but see this through and i for one have no idea what that would be like like there has never been a situation in my life where i'm like well this is it like i've never been in such a dire circumstance where I've gotten to a place where I'm like, okay, this is the one thing that has to get done. No matter what, I have to get it done. Nothing else matters. Let alone it being the fate of, you know, the entire universe. You know? Yeah. I, <sighs> like, for me, the most dire situation was like, well... My paper's due in the morning. I better get it done. I've got no other option, you know, which is just so stupid to even bring up. I don't know why I did. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, it's, it's just, 
a stupid comparison. But I guess the point that I'm trying to make, and hopefully, you know, I'll get there eventually, is that like he is so resolute in getting this done that he doesn't even he doesn't waste any time mm-hmm. with chit chat with you know asking more questions or telling more parables to the chief priests and elders of even bothering calling them brood of vipers you know you whitewashed you or anything he he just let's just get to it cut out all of the unnecessary stuff i'm just not going to respond you know what you want to do just get it over with yeah which is gosh almighty that's that's brutal. Um, yeah, I, so I'm just thinking about, um, yeah, I don't know why he did it the, uh, the way that um, he did it, and partly because um, it, it's like you said, up to this point, he has... He's used some pretty harsh, like I, I'm having this moment of, oh, I never really thought about it before, but looking at what we've read up to this point, I mean, he's called things as he's seen it. He's had very harsh language. He's been very direct. He's been, you know, he's not minced words to, in the least. And now suddenly it's just sort of like, yeah, whatever, you know. And I wonder too, as, as I think about that, how confident these guys have to be that he can't even muster a response. They've got to be feeling like they're on top of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds me of uh, the Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. Um, you know, I was read the book a bunch of times when I was a kid. You know, my dad read me the whole series, and I just, I love those books when I was a kid. But I'm thinking of the movie, not the BBC version. The, <laughs> the, the actual one where Liam American. Neeson is... Yes. You know, oh, I can't. I was going to try and do a Liam Neeson voice, but it would have been the worst impression of all time. Um, but it's the point where Aslan is turning himself over and the ice witch or whatever the, you know, the bat, Tilda Swinton, whatever her characters, she's like, they're all losing it. They're like, oh my gosh, we got him. Like, and they're all having this giant party and they kill him and they're all. Oh, you know, like we finally did it. It's ours. Aslan's dead. Woo. And then of course, you know, he comes back from the dead, but I have to imagine that the chief priests are like that in the situation where Jesus refuses to even answer them. And they think it's because he's defeated. They finally done it. We're going to kill this guy. Like our problems are solved and little do they know he's not remaining quiet because he's defeated. He's remaining quiet because he has a job to do and he wants to get that job over with. And they're just wasting his time. And, I mean, talk about the ultimate um, plot twist. Yeah. I, because cause even the last piece of, the, of verse 14 is, is that, so he didn't answer him, not a single one, and the governor was greatly amazed. So, I mean, even Pilate's kind of like going... Nothing? You're going to give me nothing? Um, and, yeah, it... Uh, There's a part of me that actually feels bad for him. Pilot? Yeah. Oh, I... 
there's a big part of me. I I would say if you had to classify my opinion towards Pilot is I do feel bad for him. And I feel like he was put in a loose loose situation. Yeah, I I don't know that I would have done any better than Pilot and his. Yeah, because he's like really nothing. <laughs> you you got you got no, all of a sudden you got nothing to say. You do realize my hands are pretty much tied here. Now he could have set Jesus free and taken the fall, but. I don't really think he was not. I don't really think I guarantee you. He had no idea what was afoot. He didn't know what was going on as far as the ramifications of what was about to happen. And so I feel like he was doing what he thought was best politically. You know, this guy chooses not to defend himself. The chief priests are rabid for him to pay for his crimes We've had a trial. He chooses not to defend himself. Okay, fine. You, you know, you made your own bed. Now you have to sleep in it type of thing. And I feel like he could have just said this whole thing is ridiculous. I'm setting him free. But I feel like you would have just been delaying the inevitable. And especially with God involved here, it really was inevitable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just feel like he was in a position where no matter what, he could not. Because even if he chose to set Jesus free, Realized this whole thing was a sham. There was still no good outcome because Jesus still would have had to die. You know, and I'm not trying to make an excuse, but I just think that, yeah, in this situation, it's hard to put the blame on him when. And I don't even know if placing the blame's the point. I don't think it is. I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, Jesus died for Pilate and for the chief priest, too. Yes. And for Judas as well. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Te- technically, you're right, Dave, yes. Uh, yeah, it, it is... It, I, I'm a little bit uh, speechless here myself because... Um, this is just such a concrete um, example of... I mean, Jesus has just been. So, I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling back, looking through the previous, what we've been reading in Matthew. And he is just so direct. He is so vocal. Um, I'm racking my brain, just thinking. I can't think of a single time before, where he has held his tongue and not spoken. Um, if not in defense of himself, but at least some sort of nugget of truth that at least sorts sort of well definitely rocks people's world and um i'm i'm curious as to what uh pilot knows about jesus at this point um one of the images that i have in my head is um you know um the well pilot is is a governor and he's a governor in um the Roman Empire, fairly powerful man, has some degree of um, ability to make decisions and speak on behalf of the uh, the Caesar. And I I have this mental picture of you know kind of a situation now in our day of a of a judge with a homeless person 
and I don't know why I'm I'm picturing Jesus as a homeless person, but that's kind of like the the level that I'm I'm putting him on of just here's this homeless person before the judge. The judge is laying out to this homeless person, here are all the accusations made against you. Uh maybe even kind of in the back of their mind, in the back of Pilate's mind, there's no basis to this. There's no, you know, I'm I'm just looking for a glimmer of you to kind of say, this isn't who I am. I didn't do the things that they said about me. I'm innocent. You know, some sort of pleading for their case or for their cause. And, um, almost kind of like, well, the homeless person isn't saying anything and they're not saying anything because they're king of the Jews. They are the Messiah. They are the son of God, but they're not saying anything because they're crazy. They don't know any better. And I'm not saying that again, it's purely, purely speculation. I'm, I'm kind of putting, trying to put myself in the story and I'm trying to imagine this, but it says that the governor was greatly amazed. And I am intrigued by what exactly does that mean? Does he have this homeless person that he's like, dude's crazy. Don't even know what he's doing. Why is he not speaking up for himself? Clearly he's mental. There's something wrong here. Or does Pilate have this moment of this guy is innocent. I know he's sane. I know there is some substance to his teaching because I've seen the impact that he's had on people in this community. And yet here he sits silent. I mean, I lean towards the latter. I do too. I, I do too. I, I, I truly do. Cause I don't think he, he it would say he was amazed if it was the, the former. Exactly. He's got to be like, oh, really? Yeah. Okay, like, yeah, I think there has to be some genuine shock. And to your point, this is the first time Jesus has been with these folks, outside of the trial, really, where he's just not put them in their place. Mm -hmm. And I can't completely remember, and we'll, we'll get to this if we get there eventually, in terms of pilot. And uh, his response to Jesus and what happens. But this whole event becomes incredibly, kind of back to what we were talking about, of feeling sorry for Pilate. This is an incredibly stressful event. This is a big deal. Uh, This isn't on that level of, we can just write this guy off as a crazy. This is on that level of, I, I just, you know, he, he, I think at one point, and I feel like I'm confusing Pilate with, uh, um, with Shakespeare and, um, the wringing of the hands and the washing of the hands. And I'm pretty sure at one point Pilate's, Pilate does, but maybe not in Matthew. His wife has, have a dream. <laughs> About how this is like going to go bad, and he just says, "Like I'm wiping my hands of the situation." I feel like that's somewhere yeah. in the Bible, and and, and so I guess that's real specific. Yeah, I know, <laughs> and, and and I know we'll we'll eventually yeah, get there. We will. 
But again, my feeling is, is I just would not want to be pilot in this situation. And, um, I hope, yeah, it's, it's actually in verse 20, Matthew 27, 24. So we'll get, we'll get back to that or we'll get to it eventually. Um, but I feel like, um, this is just a no-win situation for him. He's trying to do the right thing. And I hope that in those instances of my life where I am in a, a position to be called to choosing a side, I choose the right side and I do the right thing. And that if there are those moments when I don't, I don't speak up when I should, or I speak when I shouldn't, or I don't defend someone that I should, that God has incredible mercy on me uh, for not acting appropriately. Um, Because it can be very difficult when you're in the midst of making a decision, in the midst of wanting to do what is right, and it becoming so incredibly cloudy. And again, not to go down a a tangent of, uh, it's why Christianity is intended to be a a faith that we live out in community where we're surrounded by other believers and we do things like podcast and we do things like listening to a podcast and we give feedback to the people that are hosting the podcast. And, you know, we're just, we're, we're participants in our faith and not just along for the ride and not just quote unquote, believing the right things. Uh, but that there is truly that action in our life that, backs up what we believe so anyway yeah i think that's a good place to stop for this episode 98 man in the bag yeah it's nuts <laughs> i feel like i say that all the time but it's just our little baby is so old now <laughs> we're almost 100 yeah holy okay yeah all right well um that's it for this episode we'll be back in a little while uh i am going fishing next week yes which is totally totally unlike me but (laughs) i'm really excited about it so we'll be back in a couple weeks with episode 99 we'll see you then bye bye